Record cold yesterday for the first presidential primary in the U.S. general election year. We know how it was a runaway for Donald Trump, even as the White House was swatted. A prank call saying it was on fire, somebody trapped inside. Fire engines rolled and ambulances swarmed to the current home of President Joe Biden. Of course, it was a hoax as 13 units raced to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Elsewhere, it was bitterly too cold to think politics or a swatting in Washington. My daughter in Oregon saying their power was out for two days. More ice and snow to come. Fortunately, my son-in-law better prepared than me. He fired up a portable generator for heat and lights to make it through. A friend in Edmonton at minus 30 forgot to plug in his car heater. His ride was dead. A good time to not forget the Lord looks after his people, no matter weather or politics. Welcome to Haven Today here on Tuesday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're continuing in a series called Keeping It All About Jesus. Now, as we announced yesterday, joining me is our new president. I've got emeritus at this point. David Wolin, thanks for joining me again. New job, new title for you. What's coming up for us in the program in these next few minutes? Well, Charles, we'll be turning to Genesis 22, which is one of the most famous and memorable stories in the entire Old Testament. We're going to be seeing how this story so clearly points us to the Messiah. And we'll be joined also by the president of Jews for Jesus, who will be sharing with us why it's so important both for Christians and Jews to see Jesus in the Old Testament. And it'll be great having David Brickner back on with us today. Who better to talk about this than the president of Jews for Jesus? We really want you to understand how Christ shows up in all the Bible. And that's why the past several days we've been inviting you to read God's word all the way through this year with us with the goal of seeing and knowing your Savior better. And to help you do that, we have this brand new resource. It's called Christ in All the Scriptures, Reading and Praying Through the Bible in a Year. Yes, and Charles, this book is a companion to our Bibles. It includes a reading schedule, but I think we need to remind everyone that it's more than that, because this book walks you through all 66 books of the Bible with introductions for each one, and it shows you, before you start each new book, some of the ways that reading is going to point you to Jesus, which is often the main point as we read, especially the Old Testament. It's often lost in us as we read. Exactly. And so, after this program... May I invite everyone listening, especially if you haven't been in touch with us yet, to come to haventoday.org after the program, haventoday.org. You can make your gift there and download the first three weeks of this book so that you can get started reading the Bible through right away, even before your book arrives. And let me suggest, as we have been, that you get a couple of extra books to start studying God's Word with those that are around you in your life. And you can also call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And now from Franklin, Tennessee, let's open with a classic song by Michael Card. Three days journey to the sacred place, a boy and a man with a sorrowful face. Tortured yet faithful to God's command 
take the life of his son with his own hands. God will provide a lamb to be offered up in your place, a sacrifice so spotless and clean to take all your sin away. Here's wood and fire. Where's the sacrifice? The questioning voice and the innocent eyes is the son of laughter who you waited for to die like a lamb to please the Lord. God will provide a lamb to be offered up in your place, a sacrifice so spotless and clean. Take all your sin away. A gleaming knife, an accepted choice. A rush of wind and an angel's voice. A ram in the thicket, caught by his horns, and a new age of trusting. The Lord is born, for God has provided a lamb. He was offered up in your place. What Abraham was asked to do, he's done. He's offered his only son. What Abraham was asked to do, he's done. He's offered his only son. This is David Wolin with Haven Today, and with me is Charles Morris here on this program called Keeping It All About Jesus. And David, as we just heard Michael Card sing, God Will Provide a Lamb. Uh, took me back in my mind when we were sitting with Michael at his little studio house outside Franklin, Tennessee, and we yeah. talked about how Christ is our Redeemer when we interviewed him together a number of years back. I remember that. And Charles, I had a conversation just a few days ago with David Brickner, who's the president of Jews for Jesus, and that conversation also is pointing us to Jesus. And today, just to kick us off and lead us into this topic, I thought it would be good to share a little more from that conversation. I asked David a question. I asked him why it's important for Christians today to read the Old Testament and what we'll be missing if we don't. Well, David, it's two-thirds of the Bible, so, um, and we need to recognize it is the Bible of the Lord Jesus himself. Amen. Uh, he is the Word made flesh, and... When he referred to the scriptures, he wasn't talking about the New Testament. It hadn't been written yet. He was referring to the Hebrew scriptures. And, you know, when Paul writes to Timothy in in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That's a modern paraphrase of those verses. But if, if, we, if we look at that 
passage and we think, well, what does Paul mean when he says all scripture? It's referring to the, the Hebrew scriptures. And uh, so we dare not ignore what Jesus and Paul thought were so important and relevant. And uh, I know that some people have uh, kind of uh, wanted to minimize uh, the Hebrew scriptures, um, especially some of the more challenging portions of it. Uh, that's an ancient heresy called Marcionism. We don't want to have any part of that. The church has recognized for a long, long time that all 66 books of the Bible are mm -hmm. important for those who would follow after God. David Brickner is so right, Charles. All 66 books are important for anyone who wants to follow Jesus. And not only do Gentiles need to see that Jesus is in all the Bible, it's important for Jews to do so as well. That's why I asked him whether Jews today have a Messianic expectation still. Certainly, there was a very strong Messianic expectation in the first century, but what about Jewish people today? You know, secularism has really impacted the Jewish community around the world. And so the first and biggest challenge is the lack of knowledge Mm -hmm. uh, concerning the Bible, the scriptures. And uh, so uh, there is an awareness of a promise concerning the Messiah, but it tends to be more like a folkloric understanding mm -hmm. uh, in the minds of most Jewish people. Yes, yeah, the Messiah is going to come. Now, formally, theologically, among the liberal wing of Judaism, they're not so much looking for a Messiah, a person, as they are looking for a messianic age. Uh, mm. a, a, a time of of peace and and uh, in fact that's one of the greatest objections that Jewish people will bring uh, uh, concerning Jesus. They'll say, mm. if Jesus is the Messiah, why is there no peace in the world? We know that when Messiah comes, there will be mm. peace. And since there's only war and mm. rumor of war, then Jesus can't be the Messiah. And of mm. course, those objections that uh, some Jewish people have to uh, the messiahship of Jesus are based upon what they've been told. <laughs> and uh, the rabbis will say, well, this is why Jesus can't be the messiah, because there's no peace. Mm. Um, and, and, and it's not necessarily a well-reasoned objection, uh, but there is that sense of a messianic era rather than a personal messiah. And so the best thing to do in that case is to say, well, what do you think the, the Bible says about the Messiah? You know, mm. well, I don't know, <laughs> you know, just that there's supposed to be peace. Well, that's true. And let me show you some of the places where actually there's a promise, uh, you know, and, and so we can go to specific passages because they all ultimately point to Jesus as well. That was David Brickner with Jews for Jesus, and I'm David Wolin, and you're listening to Haven Today. I recorded that interview with David last week, and I'm looking forward to sharing the full-length interview on our Great Stories podcast with Charles Morris tomorrow. And Charles, there are so many places in the Old Testament which point to Jesus. A couple weeks ago, I remember you touched on the life of Abraham, specifically the covenant God made with him, and then on the life of his grandson Jacob. Both stories point us so powerfully to Christ, but Charles, <laughs> we skipped one, didn't we? Yes, we certainly did, David. The lineage is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and perhaps it's Isaac, who in terms of types or pictures gives us one of the most powerful stories pointing to Christ the Messiah and the work he came to do on our behalf. 
And that's very true. And in Genesis 22, which is day six in reading the Bible through in a year in our Christ and all the scriptures book, there is this story coming out of the life of Abraham, as you mentioned. But it's a story based on a promise made chapters before when the Lord met this man from Ur who had previously worshipped idol gods. Back in Genesis 12, God promised Abraham that not only would he and his family be blessed, remember they were childless even into old age, but that there would be this blessing through Abraham to all the families of the earth. And by the time we get to Genesis 22, the beginning of the promise had come true. Abraham and Sarah were given a son, even well beyond childbearing years. The Lord had made this covenant or promise with Abraham, but then he put Abraham to the test with the birth of Isaac. He said he would show him the mountaintop to make the sacrifice. Well, through my life, I've heard skeptics try and throw cold water on Scripture. God ordered a murder. He told Abraham to kill his own son. No way. God knows. God orders the future and not just past and present. He knew that Isaac wouldn't die, and Abraham was faithful. Gathered the wood for the sacrifice, placed on the donkey, and led his long-awaited only son to a mountaintop named Moriah. Well, I hope you know the story. Just as Abraham started to honor the test and sacrifice his own son, the hand of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, intervened. It came true. Abraham's words to his son Isaac, who had asked, Father, where is the sacrifice? And Remember, Abraham replied, The Lord will provide. Don't forget that line. Abraham lifted his eyes as his hand was stayed, and there behind him, caught in a thicket, was a ram. God provided the sacrifice, which, of course, was a picture of a greater sacrifice to come. And David will get us to that in a moment. But I will say this, and I'll quote Martin Luther. He points out there was a twofold blessing that day on Mount Moriah, a blessing in words and a blessing in actuality. The angel of the Lord spoke then a second time and reminded Abraham that his seed would be a blessing to all the world, like what we heard before in Genesis 12. One other thing, and maybe you've heard me say this before, it was on my second trip to Israel when a Christian brother stood with me on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and explained we were standing at that moment on Mount Moriah. And to add to the significance Also on Mount Moriah, that ridge running in Judea, was a place called Golgotha, where Christ went to the cross and died for our sins. But with that, I'm stepping on your toes a little bit. So, David Wolin, I better turn it over to you now. Sure, sure. I'll pick it up there. Charles, this is a story that practically preaches itself, but... I'd like to focus on two ways that Genesis 22 points us forward to Jesus. So, first... Let's think about this from the perspective of Abraham. For anyone listening, you can just put yourself in his place. See it through the eyes of a father. Think about it. You've waited years for this precious child. You were with him when he learned to walk, spoke his first words, and now you're asked to do the unthinkable and his life. Mm. Think about the pain and the anguish. There's pain in losing your son, of course, but also 
this does not square with what you've come to know to be true about God and his character. This is a moral evil. How could God require this? Moreover, the life of Isaac is the basis of God's covenant to make a great nation through his lineage. And we're going to learn later on in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, God's there going to explicitly forbid the nation of Israel from doing such things, child sacrifice, human sacrifice. Those things are an abomination in the eyes of God. But in this moment, all Abraham knows is what God has told him to do. And how could any father do Mm. something like this? What was going through his mind? We only know what scripture tells us. Abraham says to Isaac, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And that's exactly what happened. God spares Abraham's son. What God did not require Abraham to do was the very thing he would one day do when the greater son of the father would not be spared. So here again, these familiar words, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This connects directly with Genesis 22. Mm. And John three sixteen also tells us why the father did this. It was because God loved the world. All right. So that was the father's perspective. Now, what about the son's perspective? What about Isaac? Well, if In Abraham, we got a glimpse into the Father's heart. It's here that we get a glimpse into the heart of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a few striking parallels. I'll just be able to mention a few. So first, like Isaac, Jesus was a child of promise, miraculously conceived. And not only that, Isaac is called Abraham's only son. And Jesus is God the Father's one and only son. Jesus is the greater Isaac. He's the greater son of promise. Isaac's life was spared because God himself provided a lamb. And likewise, our lives are spared by faith through the lamb, which God himself provided for us. But Charles, there's one last thing scripture reveals to us about this moment on Mount Moriah, and it comes in the New Testament. Hebrews 11, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Charles, it says that Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. What a striking statement. In a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So this Old Testament text is showing us a figurative death and resurrection, and that's what Jesus actually did in history. God the Father also received his son back from death because after the cross comes resurrection. So in his death and resurrection, Jesus is shown to be the true and greater Isaac. And these connections are incredible. It almost seems too good to be true. But friends, this is what makes the good news so good. The story of Jesus is true. See him there, the great I am, a crown of thorns upon his head, the Father's heart displayed for us, oh God. 
just singing it, they were preaching it. Shane and Shane, Behold the Lamb, you're in a haven today called Keeping It All About Jesus. I'm Charles Morris. David Woolen, isn't it wonderful to see Jesus as the second Isaac, the most or more important Isaac that we just were learning about 
just as Abraham was pointing to Jesus himself. It was, Charles. Stories like that make me more hungry for God's Word, because those connections are all throughout, all pointing to Jesus. And I hope for you listening today, this is also making you more hungry for God's Word. And for that, we'd like to give you some fresh encouragement and help in reading your Bible in 2024. We'd like to send you Christ in All the Scriptures, reading and praying through the Bible in a year. This is our thank you for your generous gift to support the ministry of Haven. We're listener-supported, and we're only on the air because of listeners like you. So would you get in touch today and get your copy of this vital resource and maybe even get a few more to share with others? The first few weeks of the book are online so that you can get started right away when you make your order. and You don't have to wait for the book to start reading your Bible in a year. You can see that and you can make your gift on haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or you can call us at 1-800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. And just as we have to say goodbye, I want to invite you to a live Q&A with David Wolin and me on Wednesday, this Wednesday, at 1 p.m. Pacific time. This live Zoom event will help you learn more about David's passion for ministry and his connection with Haven, as well as the fervent desire that we both have to share the great story that's about Jesus. But you need to RSVP when you go to that website. But do it right now, haventoday.org, and we'll see you Wednesday. I'm Charles Morris. And I'm David Wallen. Thanks so much for joining with us. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your walk with Jesus, I'm David Wallen with Haven Today, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is the right thing to do. I'm talking about forgiveness. It's easy to hold a grudge against those who wrong you and hurt them back by withholding forgiveness. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks to a large crowd, reminding them how much they need God's forgiveness. But then he takes it one step further. Matthew 6:14. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. You see, forgiven people forgive. Is it easy? No. That's why we have to look to Christ to conform our hearts to be like His. You'll see Jesus more clearly through time in God's Word. Visit GetAnchor.com.